0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Red Beard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host, and here at Red Beard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors because I've recognized that people who are consistently successful in their lives apply those four principles in their lives in some form or fashion on a regular basis, and I want to be more successful in all the areas of my life that success can apply to, and I want that for you as well. So while I'm going through my journey, while I get to have these amazing conversations and go through gear reviews, etc. I want to bring you along for that ride, and I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in. I can't believe today is the 200th episode. That's insane to me that I've been able to record 200 episodes. You guys have come along for the journey. The podcast has continued to grow thanks to you sharing it, leaving reviews, telling other people about it, and coming back time and time again. I would ask that you please take a screenshot of your favorite episode. Hopefully it's today's and each one gets better, right? But take a screenshot of your favorite episode, go and tag me with it on Instagram. Let people know about it. Again, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want you to enjoy the podcast, the conversations, the gear reviews, etc. And I get to partner up with some great companies so I can provide you discounts if it is what you're looking to go buy. But if not, great, just come along for the ride. And that's what I'm here for. So With that being said, guys, leave a review, follow the podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening on YouTube, go and check it out with the subscribe button. Really appreciate that. We're growing everywhere thanks to you guys, and that's why I've been doing giveaways. More to come. And so now let's give a shout-out to the partners of the show. Guys, of course, First Form, First Form Outdoors. If you're not in the First Form Outdoors group, definitely go join that over on Facebook. If you're not on Facebook, shoot me a message I'd love to get you in on the weekly calls. You don't have to have Facebook if you don't if you don't need it. Um I'm 100% on board with that. Definitely understand why you may not want to have it. So, uh, let me know. I'd love to have you in on the weekly calls. Same with Redbeard's Fit Crew. I'd love to have you in over there. We're doing a March Madness challenge, guys. If you have Facebook, you definitely want to get in on that. There's going to be a great giveaway at the end of March, but more than anything it's about getting in movement. And I'll talk to you more about that here at the end of the episode. Of course, we've got Alpenfuel, Heather's Choice, my go-to backcountry meals. BlackOvis.com. Go there if you're looking for stuff for the backcountry, guys. They've got everything from backpacks to boots, to clothing, to glass, to tripods, etc. Go check them out with the link down below. Uh, All in digiscoping, best digiscoping on the market. A3 archery bowstrings, They're the ones that I trust and I shoot on all my bows. Cryptek, best gear from battlefield to backcountry, as they say. And I've even worn some of their stuff to church, guys. Their pants are pretty slick. Uh, the bushcraft is the one that I took to church. Secretly, it's because my wife said they make my butt look good, so I wear them for her. <laughs> and they feel good, so definitely go check out Cryptek. Uh, We've got Crestral glassing systems, Quattro Archery stabilizers, Absolute Aid CBD, Affect Beard Oil, Muley Freak with their Game Changer Bino Harness, and there we go, guys. Now, here in this conversation, I kind of want to preface this a little bit. I want you guys to understand why this one's special for me. I'm really excited to have Pedro Ampuero, right? He's from Spain. Pedro is an outstanding individual. He has a family But he also travels the globe and literally hunts for a living. He does everything from red stag to elk to bears to ibex and everything in between, guys. He has an amazing career under his belt. He's fairly young. He's in his mid-30s. But what I've loved is, and for those of you that don't know, I'm fluent in Spanish and absolutely love the culture down in Mexico. I lived there for two years as a missionary. Uh, for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, serving the individuals of Mexico. Absolutely loved it. And I still use Spanish just about daily. And uh, I, I was really intrigued by watching his videos. He does great with subtitles. He has an English channel as well. But watching his videos in Spanish, seeing this amazing, all these adventures that he goes on, and the hunts that he goes on, and hearing it in Spanish. There's just some words, guys. If any of you out there are bilingual, you'll understand this. In Spanish, or in whatever other language you may know, there's ways to explain, describe emotions, and feelings, and situations that you can't in English, and vice versa. So it's a benefit to be bilingual, because there's just some things that you just can't explain in one language, but you can in the other, for some reason. And so... Uh, it's amazing to hear his experiences. He goes out with his dad, who's the one that got him into hunting. Pedro is obsessed with bow hunting. Uh, he does rifle hunting and all the others as well, but he absolutely loves bow hunting. You can see it in his eyes when he picks up his bow. So I'm really stoked to share this with you guys as the 200-episode guest. Pedro is a fantastic individual. He's just a great overall guy, wants to push conservation, wants to educate people about the European system of hunting and how blessed we are here in America. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Pedro, because honestly, he's just just a great individual and we can learn a lot from him. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Pedro Ampuero and stag culture. (laughs) Oh, man. I should have been recording from the beginning. Uh, Hey, guys. So we've got an amazing guest here, Pedro Ampuero. Uh, You may know him on YouTube with his stag culture videos. Uh, He's done so many things. He's traveled, literally traveled the world hunting. Uh, He loves using his bow. He also goes out with his rifle. He involves his family. Uh, There's so many things about Pedro that just really brought me, drew me to his YouTube channel. And then, uh, I guess by luck and happenstance, we happened to start chatting on Instagram and, uh, and now he's trying to get me out to Spain to hunt red stags. So, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. It's totally your fault now. Um, so Pedro, who are you? Uh, introduce yourself a little bit to the, to the audience.
1: Yeah. So Thank God, you're the first guy that pronounced Pedro properly from the from America, which I, you should be pretty proud. But, uh, so I'm 35, live and based in Spain, used to be a mechanical engineer, but now I'm working for Cuyo, like managing the European side of Cuyo. And at the same time with my wife, we have like a video production company and we had, we do a lot of videos and YouTube films and all that all, all over the world. So. That's amazing. I think, yeah, uh, I was able to quit my engineering job for a way more fun thing to do. So we get to, <laughs> we get to spend a lot of days in the field. So we are super, super lucky. And so you still get to tinker
0: with a bunch of stuff, right? With your bow, your rifle, getting everything dialed in. It's just a different kind of tinkering.
1: Yeah, my <laughs> it drives my wife crazy because I'm... <laughs> There is gear always, all over. I just clean my, I I told you, I clean my table just for you. I just
0: build a bunch of arrows on Sunday. You know, (laughs) my wife's like, what are you doing? You just built some. I'm like, I know, but I'm messing with something. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: No, I get it. Um, No, but so, so, Pedro, uh, well, the reason, and a lot of people don't realize this is funny, probably because they look at me and not saying that you, but in general, people don't realize I'm fluent in Spanish. I lived in Mexico for two years. Uh, and, and so any, any of the audience out there that needs a translator, I'd be more than happy to help, um, in exchange for going on hunts with you. No, but, (laughs) but I love, that was another thing that drew me to your channel as well, is I loved being able to hear the hunting experience in Spanish because you don't get to hear that a lot. There's not a lot of uh, people out there that put high quality production out there like you guys do and speak Spanish. So you put you do great, you put subtitles and everything, um, but I love hearing it from you guys, you with your dad, with your family, the excitement that comes out. There's something different about, and I, I'm blessed to be able to know two languages, and I'm sure you feel the same way, because there's some things you can express in Spanish that just don't translate, and then vice versa. There's some things in English that you can express that just don't translate to Spanish. Uh, I learned that really fast when I was down in Mexico. Um, there was funny things like saying what in the world or Holy cow, like that, those don't directly translate, you know? And so I got a lot of laughs when I would try and, you know, Santa Vaca, like I'd say things like that. And they're like, what are you, <laughs> they're like, what are you talking about? But, uh, no, it, it's, it, it's something you're just, you're so pure with your content. And I recommend anyone out there listening to go check out some of your, your hunts, even if you don't speak Spanish, you, again, you put a, a great, uh, a good amount of I mean, subtitles there.
1: Yeah. We, we have actually like two channels. One is just speaking only in Spanish and the other one is in English, because at the end, the type of hunts and the audience you get in English, I get a lot of complaints from the Spanish community is like, why you're talking in English all the time, if you are from Spain, it's like, yeah, I don't know, like two, we are working for international brands and we, we need to do it in, in, in English. But I agree, like to be able to speak uh, different languages as soon as you start traveling, like when you travel to some of the destinations and you cannot talk the native language, it's like you are missing out because there's so many things you want to ask the guide. So many things that you want to, but the communication is, is not possible and it's just frustrating. So I think the more languages you can speak, the the better.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But so that, that that's another thing too, that you involve your family. Your wife is into hunting. Uh, Your, your dad obviously was a big part in your life. Um, And I, I, I love that from my perspective, seeing how your dad has influenced you and now you're giving back to him as well, taking him with you on some of these adventures. Uh, That's something that I can only dream to do uh, one day. My dad's not into hunting, but I hope to do that with my kids and change my Generations that come after me because I want that to be part of their life. If anything, to just go out and experience some of the beautiful places that we get to go as hunters that people never go because there's not a solid trail. There's not uh, a known path. You know, we get to go out there and experience, uh, I have yet to experience a roar, but hearing elk bugle or, you know, seeing deer walk 10 yards from you, things like that just. You can't get that anywhere else until you get out there, even if you're not into hunting and actually tagging out on an animal.
1: No. And I think like the connections you make with the people you hunt with, it's hard to, to make them in anything, anywhere else, you know? Like, so I was lucky that my dad, he's a huge hunter. My grandfather wasn't. So he started like later, later on his life, like when he was 18 or 20. So there was a hunter inside him and he had been hunting with him since I was five. My wife wasn't a hunter at all, so no connection at all. But at the end, he decided, she decided to join the enemy, to spend more time with me. And now she loves hunting. And we are trying to teach our son to be, to like hunting. And and I have already, he's five only, but I have taken him on a couple of hunts. And it's super cool to, to hunt with your family. Like, also like, I think some of the hunting that I have done a lot, uh, there is not that much mystery anymore on those hands, but to be able to see the feelings and someone learning and the process of my wife, of my son or whatever, I think it's super, super addicting.
0: Yeah, so. no, for sure. And again, I'll, I'll keep going back to this because there's, there's a lot of, of people out there that don't seem to include the genuine uh, nature of the feeling of missing when you miss or, you know, things along those lines, I I have something distinctly in my mind. I don't remember the name of the video, but you were the cameraman and your wife was the one hunting and she missed. Um, I want to say it was, I want to say you were going after red stag, but either way that the look of disappointment that so many of us hunters know and feel, I love that you're so genuine with that. And then vice versa, when she did tag out, you know, the look of excitement and, and all the emotions, that, did I really hit him well? Did I, you know, all of those things that go through uh, your mind and are expressed on your face. I just love that you guys are so expressive uh, in your videos. You don't hold back. You let people see the raw emotion that you're going through. And I, I, I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think there's one special one that my wife, uh, after trying very hard for shooting an IBEX with a bow, See, finally we got close to a couple of Ibex fighting at twenty-five yards. So the Ibex are just like standing up twenty-five yards, like easy shot, but like a lot of actions. Ibex are the both Ibex were moving, hitting heads together. So she will draw back and be like, No, 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 wait, because she will stand up <laughs> into two legs, boom, hit each other. Like so super stressful and she missed the she ended up missing the Ibex completely. So And she started crying and a lot of people is like, no, she's crying because she missed and she's not happy about it. And like she was crying because all the adrenaline and all the emotions he had inside her. And I think that there is many sports and I don't think there is any other sport that sport that can bring an amateur level person those emotions. I guess that if you're playing the World Cup final and and you have a penalty or whatever in the World Cup final, you get those emotions. But as an amateur level or whatever, like, no, there's not that many sports that make you cry. I mean, you may yeah. ski down a path and you have a lot of fun. It's like, oh, that was super fun. But not to break in tears is like, that was amazing. So
0: Yeah, exactly. No, I, I definitely agree with that. There's so much work that goes into it. If you're hunting with a bow, getting your bow tuned right to your, you know, to your arrow setup and everything to your draw length. And, and then, you know, not having level ground when you go to shoot, like all of those things that you've worked on. And then to have that miss, it's not just the miss, it's everything that has built up to that moment. And then even the incredible, you know, like what you were saying with the, that fighting scene with the Ibex, I mean, that's that in and of itself is an awesome experience um, to just have, you know, in your life. And so all of those emotions, yeah, I could, I could definitely see that that would be uh, something people don't understand if they don't go out and hunt.
1: And the bad part about hunting is that every opportunity that you get, you're not never going to get it back. Mm
0: -hmm. So it's
1: like, if I could go back a little bit, it's just like, no, it's never going to happen again. You may get a new opportunity or may not, but that's never going to, you're never going to have a second chance. So it's not like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's pretty special, and you need to learn to love that frustration because it can be, especially with the bow at the beginning, it can be super frustrating. So
0: no, definitely, definitely. So let let's start from the beginning with your story a little bit here. Uh, you said your dad kind of changed the family tree and started
1: hunting. So when you when did you start hunting? How old were you? Five. So I don't I don't have memories. I think of myself not being a hunter. Mm-hmm. So but out of uh, we are four brothers and sisters. So I'm the only one hunting. But I don't know like my dad my dad tried with everyone. Uh, I'm number 3. I I was patient enough to to spend time with him and and since then he has taken me all over the world. So I have been super happy because he has allowed me to travel to some places that I would have never been able to travel. So and he's oh, exactly. seventy-three now, and he's still hunting hard. So,
0: and he looks like he's I'm in so... good shape for someone who's seventy-three.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, like he's he's in good shape. But he, loved, I think one of the things that I'm a, why I'm a huge fan of my dad is because he still enjoys all types of hunting. So, like uh, two days ago, we we're hunting roe deer females, and to hunt roe deer females for a day, he did four hours driving. So. You know, like wow. two-hour drive back and forth yeah. just for yeah. hunting a roe deer doe, which most people is like after hunting all over the world and amazing trophies or whatever, to still have the passion to okay, let's go hunting roe deer. So I think it's amazing. I would love all to right. be that way in a bunch of years. So
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. About 40 years from now, right? Can you imagine that? Yeah. Like 40 years. That's more than you've been alive you know, more years than you've already been alive and and you've already had so many great experiences. Imagine what the next 40 years are going to bring. Uh, that that's crazy. So you started when you were about five you don't necessarily remember that. What was, I guess, what's your first memory, uh, that really stands out as a, as a young man that made you want to say, Hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm not just going to stop when I move out of the house. This is what I want to do forever.
1: (sighs) I have plenty. I mean, I have even with five years old, I can remember like the first rollback that we shot and the tracking of the blood and all that. So I really remember, remember that. And then I started going with my dad also like kind of with the rifle. But when I was 14, I started uh, hunting with the shotgun. And I think that was a super cool school because I could hunt by my own uh, with a shotgun and a slug. So the shooting distance was 40, 50 meters. And and that's when I think I got hooked to hunting like close distances. And a year and a half later, I discovered a bow and I was just like, bow hunting. It's just, this is it. <laughs> I, I have found the thing that I, that I really, I really like. So, yeah, and I hunt with well, everything. Like, I mean, I hunt with the rifle, with the bow, with shotgun, with, with everything. But if I have to choose, I think the bow is just, I don't know, it's just special.
0: Yeah. No, exactly. I think there's a lot of, you know, there, there's some people that have talked about it. I've heard, uh, I want to say Joe Rogan has had some, some people on that, that they, they research the, the mind, the human mind, and some things that are kind of tucked away from our ancestors. And something about a bow, whether it be a recurve, a long bow, or a compound bow, there's something about watching the flight of the arrow that is ingrained in us. That we just enjoy so much naturally. It gives us that dopamine hit. And at the same time, it's something that keeps us coming back. Even when we miss, even when we're frustrated, you know, we can't get our bow dialed in right or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, we we always come back to it for some reason. And uh and and I can agree with you on that. That's there's something that just is uh is special about bow hunting. And And then the the close encounters.
1: Yeah, I like the most is the silence. Because with a rifle, when you press the trigger, mm-hmm. like you break the whole moment and the whole thing of like the birds sat down, the animals run away, you know, like you disturb the whole place. And with the bow is different. You shoot an animal and no one knows still you are there. And I think that's super, that's super special. Yep.
0: So. No, for sure. Yeah, that that's, I guess that's a good way of putting it. i never thought of it that way before. But the silence aspect of it, not having to worry about blowing your eardrums out, you know, uh, that, that's that being able to enjoy everything from the moment, the arrow goes off watching it fly. And then there's sometimes when you have a little bit longer shot, you know, those 60, 70 yard shots that it feels like the arrows in the air forever. Forever. (laughs) And you're like, come on, (laughs) but I, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. So, and you've been, again, you've been to some great places, um, you know something that that you've done recently. You went to uh, what was the place that they were dropping you off with with boats, and you were hunting um, caribou.
1: So this year we have been in in Kyrgyzstan. That was the latest trip. That was mm-hmm. in uh, trying to hunt Marco Polo with with a bow, which okay. was a grind of a of a bow hunt. I can uh, imagine. Just, we spent twenty hunting days, mm. so that's a a long. A long freaking time. over there. I lost, I think, I don't know, eighteen pounds or something, <laughs> oh, <man>. and <laughs> and it was it was a, a really really tough hunt. And the one with the boats, we were this summer in Greenland hunting caribou, mm-hmm. which we had yep. a blast because it was a group of eight friends, mm-hmm. full camp, only boats. We shot a, a bunch of caribou. We were hunting two with one, three hunters with one guide so it was a lot of fun because it was not just only your opportunities but to be able to share with other people their success and their stories it was like a super super fun trip
0: too. yeah no for sure it looked like a lot of fun and then there was one day you were with remy warren and he was yeah. using a mouth tab right
1: yeah yeah he, he, he makes things, you... he he makes hard things look easy but like he <laughs> he's an awesome dude like i it was the first time hunting with him and I told him, like, you are way better in person than on the videos. Because <laughs> on the videos, he's more serious than in person. Yeah. But he's like, we need to hang more together. I need to show people how awesome you are. You yeah. know, like, yeah, he's, because he's he, super funny. You, you fan bring dude. out
0: the jokester in people. You, you bring out. No, that but man. he's
1: like, he's a super cool guy. I mean, the whole team, because he was. Um, Remy Warren, Adam Foss that I hunted with him before, That he's from Canada, he's an amazing photographer with uh, his wife, with Frankie, Uh, Cole Kramer, uh, he's a guide in Alaska, in Kodiak, Uh, Justin Lee, uh, that he's one of the best spear fishermen in the world. Um, Who else was there? A, There's a lot of people <laughs> yeah a lot of people <laughs> yeah um that's that that's awesome man so yeah, mo Newman what... which is a, a fisherman yes so I don't miss mm-hmm. anyone mo Newman and Joe who is one of the guys that worked for for yeti so super yeah. wide range of people and from different parts of the world so it was super
0: super cool do you have with with your with what you're doing, all your traveling, all, all the places you've been, do you have like a list of places or is it kind of opportunities come up and you take them? Um, do you have an end goal of like how many places you want to visit? Like how, how does that work? How, how do you plan this all out? No, I don't
1: what have, <laughs> I don't have any plans. Like I, I think I like everything. So I'm not like just, I love the mountains, but I also love forest hunting and bow rifles. So there's so many opportunities out there that it's more like every year is like where I have not been or what cool experience I want to do. So right now we are actually planning the, the year and it's like, I don't know, like I would love to, I don't know, to go to Sweden and try to hunt a moose with, with a barking dog, because it's different. I want to know how they use the dog, how they, how they hunt with that dog and how they stop the moose. And you know, like, so, so I'm not. I'm more than a species oriented person. More like, okay, let's, let's find an adventure. or Let's find something that can be different and that I can have fun. But, but we always end up going for Ibex in the mountains because that's always fun. So, (laughs) yeah, so, but I don't have like a list and I don't think, I don't know, not my thing.
0: So, and, and that's, that's really cool to hear. So you basically just say, Hey, um, I haven't been to this place. I'm going to go Google, you know, whatever, whatever I can hunt there. Basically what my wife asked me, what are you hunting there? Why, why do you want to go there? So that,
1: that pretty much what it comes down to. No, and since and we are. Talking so much with people. We go to all the hunting mm. shows and there is too ma- too many bad influences in the hunting shows. Like, why are you <laughs> we don't do something in Zambia and we go on a boat and it's like, fuck, that sounds fantastic. It's, and actually yeah. every year I have way too many things that I can do. So trying to pick the the ones that have that I can make it this year or whatever, postpone it yeah. to next year, but there is always things in the in the middle that come up, so yeah. I think that's
0: so that's where you learned it from then cuz that's that's what you've been saying to me. Oh yeah, we can make that happen. Come on out. <laughs> <laughs> so those bad influences. Now uh, you're one of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm never at home now because I yeah. always like what do you think about am like I mean, saying like my wife is like you're going again. He's like sorry, it was I don't know. I say I was in <laughs> and, and that's what now <laughs> that we were talking before you recorded that was ha- what happened with Brian. He's like what are you doing in two weeks? Like nothing? Do you wanna come black bear hunting in the USA? Just why not? Oh, <laughs> sounds <man>. sounds awesome. <laughs> Let's go. You didn't know what you
0: signed up for there, did you? So I, you know, for those that haven't haven't gone and watched that film, um, Brian does a really good job too of putting out these films and uh, and getting things put together that way. But I love the behind the scenes stuff too because they seem to work really well together. Brian seems to be the boisterous competitive kind of in your face kind of guy. And then Ryan is just content with like hanging out and, and getting things like he's got it. He's the slow and steady guy. That's like, you know, he's going to complete the task. And Brian's that freaking hair that just is running all over the place, trying to get things done. And that I love their, they're kind of that yin and yang, but uh, throwing you into the mix, I thought it was really fun to watch. Um, How did you, so you said it was like two weeks notice. What's the elevation difference between where you hunt normally in Spain and where you were out with these guys? Cause I know you, they go to some pretty
1: rugged areas. Yeah. So I'm basically at sea level. Mm. So there is a big difference in height, but nothing like, I don't think, like, I think more in like in places like Kyrgyzstan that you are hunting at. Four thousand meters, I don't know how much that is in in feet, but about 12... Like I mean, twelve's about 12, 13,000, I, I think yeah yeah twelve or thirteen thousand then you feel it then you feel it mm-hmm but gotcha. on on the states, I mean it was a big difference, but not I didn't notice it that bad
0: yeah, okay, know. well, that's good, and then you guys had some good success on that hunt well it was it was probably different because you don't hunt a lot of predators. Um, was this your first bear hunt?
1: Properly bear hunt, yes. I had I saw okay. a with a boa a bear in, in Montana, like long hmm. time ago on public land. I I went for elk and just got to see one black bear. But this was like the first real black bear hunt where we were glassing for black bears, judging black bears. So we, I actually learned a lot and gained a lot of appreciation for the blackbird, which I didn't have to be honest.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. They're, they're definitely an interesting creature. I'll be going, uh, on my first black bear hunt this spring. So, um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Uh, so you, you've come over to the States multiple times. What would be your favorite animal to hunt here in the States?
1: I mean, if I will have to say, it will be the sheep. But since it's something that is not very realistic, I would say elk, probably. Like, I will go elk hunting, I think, every September. But it's the same time as the roar here in Spain. Mm-hmm. So I, I love red stack hunting, too. But I think, like, the hunts that you do, like, you are calling animals in. And that interaction between animal and and you and calling and trying to... Think what they're thinking and all that. It makes things way more exciting. And when you have an elk bugle or like a red stag roaring at forty meters between the trees and you ha- you cannot still see it and all that, I think you cannot beat that. It just, I think it's amazing. So
0: yeah, no, for sure. So so the so sheep hunting. What what is it that attracts you about sheep? And then we'll get back to elk and and red stag because that's definitely something. It's funny. I've got a, a vision board right here by my desk and up there I've got elk and red stag because those are my top two uh, animals and for that reason for the interaction but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute what's what attracts you about sheep so much um, that you'd be interested in that kind of hunt
1: the places they live so I have only hunted in North America sheep once and it was in Norwich territories and I think it was probably the best hunt I have ever done because of where they live and how much serene you have. And like, it's like, where are we going? And the guy has never been there. So you're like, OK, well, we don't go there and the backpacking thing of being able to have everything on your pack and moving forward and not having to look back and going back to the same camp every day and just discovering new country, living out of the land. I think that's super. I mean, I would love to have more places in Spain that are wild enough to do that because it's like, Super special, like the connection, it's and the animals are just like uh, they are beautiful. So they are hard to hunt, uh, hard to trick. So the terrain is not easy because everything is open. So I, that's why I probably like, like if we will ha- I, I will have to choose any hunt from the world, it will be bow hunting mountain game because it's super tough. The places are amazing and you get to spend enough time there. To really get connected to the place you're hunting on.
0: So Yeah. No, for sure. And then you you know, there's nothing like getting up on a mountain peak and being able to just look out at all that terrain, all that area, and just just soak it in,
1: even if there yeah, isn't then, anything immediately there. And then you look to your to your hand and you have a bow and you're like, fuck, I'm stupid. <laughs> what the hell am <laughs> exactly. I doing here? Exactly. I don't know the amount of hunts that I I get on, and he's like, "Fuck, bro, you just you're fucking retarded." I don't know why you are here, and it's just like
0: exactly, it's like man, you should have stopped just watching be... YouTube.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: why am I making YouTube videos? Yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. No, it's so true though, because like they, sometimes you forget. You know, you you sit up there and I don't know how many times, like it, it, I can only imagine for you guys having to capture the moment as often as you do. Um, it's, it's rough because there's been plenty of times where I've been up on the mountain and I've experienced something and I'm like, man, I should have recorded that. You know, there's just some things that you just still don't even get on camera, even if you are running a camera so very often, um, or for me, where I'm trying to take pictures and get videos as much as possible, there's still times where I forget to pull my camera out. It's just such an amazing experience that you're just like... And then you get down the mountain, you're like, oh, crap,
1: (laughs) I forgot to get this or that. So I think about filming, there is two sides. So there is one side that I really love, that it's to capture a hunt forever, and you never forget about it. And actually, I think you can... uh, like experience the hand twice because sometimes like with adrenaline, uh, you used to the animal and just, there's so many things going on. it's like, I don't even know what happened. It's just like, mm. I think the bull was there, but I'm not sure if it was there or there. Like, I don't know what happened. So to be able to watch it on, on video afterwards and have that story and watch it a few years back, I think that's pretty cool. But at the same time, it's also a pain when. Like you lose opportunities, you have to understand that you are there because you are going to do a film. And if you lose an opportunity, it's what it is. You wouldn't be there if you wasn't because you were telling or trying to share that story and you have to assume that. But it's also sometimes a a lot of work that you don't see about filming, the batteries, backup, trying to record and explain. Mm -hmm. And some days you are feeling great and some days you are feeling sick and you just so there is a a balance, but at the end of the day, I think when you come back, it's always worth having that those memories. So,
0: yeah, I, I definitely agree. And again, you guys do an amazing job. Uh, you and your wife as a, that partnership that you've got. Um, I, it's that's interesting to me as well. Working with your spouse, um, having a, a company where you guys work together, uh, and I, I want to delve into that here in a little bit. But let's get back to elk and red stag. So the fact that you mentioned the interaction piece for those again, that are listening, that don't know why you keep saying roar, go look up a red stag and the sound that they make. Like everyone knows an elk bugles. Well, maybe not everyone. I know there's people out there that don't know that, but for those of you that don't know an elk bugles, that's an amazing sound. The first time I heard that up in the mountains, I was like, I'm hooked. Like I haven't even seen it yet. I'm hooked. Like (laughs) it's just awesome. Um, But the red stag I haven't heard one in person but and watching enough of your videos and and looking at them they almost look like a a a red-headed elk and a deer had a baby like it's a smaller body (laughs) elk that's ginger basically (laughs) like yeah so what 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 is it about red like it sounds like red stags one of your favorite, obviously like ibex and all these other animals, but red stags up there for you. What is it other than the the roar, or what maybe even the roar itself? Like, what is it that that gets you going about red stag?
1: So I think it's uh, very similar to elk. So they make a different noise, so it will be more like. Uh, so it's completely different than than an elk, and they can be super aggressive also, but uh, when you call. It's true that the red stack are way, way harder to call in than elk because the females are not as, I don't know, they are harder to call in. I don't know exactly the reason, but uh, to really call a stack in, you it's not happen doesn't happen often. I don't know, maybe it's because I see a lot of videos on America, I only hunted elk once in British Columbia and in Montana. So twice and, but they feel like they are easy, to, easier to call in. Red are harder. But I think like hearing that roar, they are so loud, like compared to, I mean, the same myself, they are so loud. Like when you have an animal at 30 meters and they are screaming with all their lungs and everything with that strength, like you, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. So like, I think that's the special part about it. And, they are, and, and honestly, I think in Spain, they are the smartest animal to hunt. So a lot of people don't don't know, but in Spain, the season is almost all year round. And a stack, a mature stack, it's eight or nine years old, and we hunt them on driven hunts, we hunt them during the summer period for crop damages, we hunt them during the roar, we hunt them all winter, so they get a way more pressure because here there's a lot of population in, in, Spain compared to America, that the seasons are really short. Mm-hmm. So to a smart, to be smarter than an old stag, it's really, really hard. Like they are really spooky hmm. and, and I think the challenging hunts are, are the best.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. That that's interesting. I didn't realize how, um, you know, they could be so skittish. Uh, is that now, have you ever hunted, uh, axis deer?
1: Yeah. I actually lived what, what, in Hawaii for a year and a half.
0: Okay, awesome. So when compared to Axis deer, because I know how skittish they are, compared to them, what would you, where would you put Red Stag? Are they up there with them or
1: a little bit less? So I think they are different. I think the Red Stags are smarter. You okay. know, like they think better. They think their moves. Even when they're roaring, like they uh, actually are spooky. You know, like... They hear a, a branch, and they start running or, you know, like, but they are not like smart, like red stack, you, you are roaring. And like, I have been chasing this stack and he keeps roaring and he keeps maintaining those 200 meters because he already knows that you are there. I like, how he knows? And he just keeps roaring, but maintaining the safety distance in the forest. And you're mm-hmm. like, why I have been chasing this stack for an hour and still he's just, still 100 meters away from me? It's because he knows you are there. He's not running away, yet, he knows. So I think they are different. And sometimes you will hear a stag and suddenly it's gone or you through the trees and they just go away without making any noise. And I think Axis is more like a, a spooky animal it used to be hunted by predators. So when they hear noises, they jump away or they run, but it's not the same mental. Mm. Plus gotcha. the fact that there is way more Axis than than Red stags. So what, yeah. where we hunt red stags, you get to see a day, two or three males. In Hawaii, there is Axis everywhere. So hmm. you get a bunch of opportunities every day. So,
0: and did you, when you went to Hawaii to hunt Axis, was it on Lanai?
1: No, so I lived there. So I hunted Axis hmm. in Maui a lot, where we okay. where I was living. And also, you no, know, in Lanai, I didn't hunt Axis, but I hunted in Molokai and yeah awesome so we 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 hunted a lot and it's a super fun animal to hunt yeah oh for sure
0: and the meat is some of the best meat out there too um that axis meat is pretty
1: pretty awesome and the roar they make that's special that's between the the axis yeah have have you heard that one or not Mm -hmm.
0: i'll have to look that up like
1: huh that's awesome probably there's people that do it better so yeah. go look it up. <laughs> That's awesome. Cause you don't
0: really, so I, I heard deer for the first time this year. I've never heard deer before. And, and it, it was weird. And so I was just sitting there calling elk, nothing was going. So I was, you know, eating my snacks, whatever. And then these little baby deer had like lost their mom, I guess. Cause they'd run off and were chasing each other and all this stuff. They were like running all around me and then they stopped and then i started hearing it sounded like a horse um like a horse cow call like a like a a cow was losing its voice a cow elk was losing its voice and i was like it's like what is this an is this an elk and then it came up like it was like 10 yards from me making a sound and it was just a lost baby deer trying to find his mom you know and uh and i was like i didn't know deer made sounds like <laughs> i didn't know that so going back there to was like the was mule
1: deer or yeah, it was mule deer.
0: Yeah, mule mm-hmm. deer. And, uh, and I was just like, I, these are things that, you know, you and I, I was able to get that on video, because I was just like, what the heck? And they were just chirping away trying to find their mom, you know, uh, but it was it, it was it's interesting The the things that again, going back to getting outside, as much as you can, you find things out that you just, you would never have known if if you hadn't gone out there and spent some time sat down unplugged, there's no signal. And, uh, and you just, you're just in soaking it all in, you know, you hear things, you see things, there's so many different adventures that you can go on. Um, so, you know, going back to, uh, to hunting red stag, uh, in, in Spain, talk a little bit about hunting culture there. Cause I'm sure it's not as, I know it's a different model, obviously than, than the U S um, there's not as much public land or is there a lot of public land?
1: There is no public land at all. Okay. So, there so is talk some to public, us a little bit about that. So there is some public territories that they have a tax that are managed by the government, mm. but it's an action system, most of it. So those tax are sold. Mm-hmm. And the private land works similar way. So a town will have their hunting, their hunting territory of the town, and the town will lease those hunting rights to people. For a period of a year or 10 years or depending on that. And the government decides how many animals you can shoot in those territories. And with those animals, the guys that own the lease can do whatever they want. They can sell them to a third party. They can hunt them themselves. They can not hunt them. But they you buy every year, you lease the the land to a town. Gotcha. So, it's good in the ways that you can hunt more, like there is a lot of opportunities. The bad thing is that uh, you need a little bit of monetary power to to access to the ground. So, yeah. I mean, like there is a lot of levels and depending on what you want. So everyone more or less can, can hunt, but uh, the cooler trips, everything is uh, private. And mm-hmm. since it's such a great tourism country, like uh, we have 80 million, I think, tourists every year. So there's a lot of people coming, there's a lot of hunters coming. There is a lot of demand and depending on the year, it's hard for, for people. So I, I think I'm jealous about the public land system that you guys have in the US because it's like, I think everyone should have the opportunity to hunt one day, even if it takes you 40 years to draw the, I don't know, the desert sheep tag in California or whatever, you know, but at least you can apply, apply and, and suddenly get an an opportunity to hunt. Oh, definitely. So with the same time, we can hunt a lot, Yeah, which in the States, you guys are very limited on the amount of days you can hunt Mm -hmm. every year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. With our season dates. Um, so with, with that being said, what's, uh, what does it generally cost for a good red stag hunt? Um, for, uh, are they, are they bucks or are they bulls or what's the male, what are the males called? Stacks.
1: I think that's stacks. the word oh. for a male. Duh. I should have known that. <laughs> <laughs> so, is, and then is it it's rows? So, so there are no bulls. Uh, and the, and the females are called Heinz. So Heinz. Stacks and Heinz. Okay, cool. Um, row bucks, Yeah. Robux are row bucks and Rodos. Okay. Awesome. So, um, with
0: with a red stag hunt, what would that what would that generally run someone? Just the the hunt itself, not travel and all that. If I came from the U.S., but say someone wants to go out to Spain and hunt, because everyone talks about New Zealand, going to New Zealand for red stag hunting, et cetera. I know some people that have gone there. Not a lot of people that I know talk about going to Spain. So, um, what would that? Because generally I think cost? it's a,
1: it's a hunt that is not very commercialized internationally mm-hmm. because the success rate. It uh, depends, like, it's a short period of time and there is a lot of risk involved. If you come for mm. an Ibex, uh, you will end up finding an Ibex in two, three, four days, you know, and you will end up shooting one. Red deer, you may come two days or one day too late and there is not a single roar. You don't see them. So it's tricky depending on, mm. on the areas, especially on the mountain areas on the north. That I think that's where I like to hunt them the most because you're hunting them on mountain terrain. And the hunts, what they cost? I think for international, the uh, hunters because you ha- you need a guide and you need like assistance and all that. I-, I think they go for three and a half grand, four grand, or something like that, probably. In U.S. dollars or? Yeah, I don't know. It, 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 there's so many options that it's hard to put a bracket. But mm-hmm. now the euros and dollars are similar, so. Okay. Yeah, but I think with that budget, you can find a place or something or maybe at the end, it depends a lot. Here in Europe, it's very established, the trophy size. So a lot of hunts depend on how big the animal is. So it's a different culture. Like and if you go to Germany and Romania, that there's some great European countries that you can hunt red stacks, the prices depend a lot on the trophy of the animal. And then gotcha.
0: you go to five grand, six grand, or something like that. Hmm. Okay, well that makes sense. That doesn't sound nearly as bad as I was thinking it was, because um, I know New Zealand. I had a buddy that went there, and I think he spent like ten or twelve thousand to to go to New Zealand for a, a a hunt. And the other thing too was he wasn't able to bring the meat back. Um, from New Zealand, there was something that happened with the meat. I think there was some infection or something on the rear, rear leg. And so they ended up donating the meat.
1: I think when you travel internationally, uh, dealing with the meat is just too complicated. It gets, I I mean, like to travel from the US to Spain, you're going to spend on a plane, uh, depending on the part of the country, but at least more than a day, you're going to be in Madrid or whatever for a night over there with all the meat on a hotel. Do you need to have a freezer? It's so at the end, I think uh, when I travel, I like to taste as much as I can. When, when I'm on the, doing the hunt and afterwards, yes, uh, have it, uh, the local guys take care of it and, and enjoy it. At the end, it's their animal somehow. And I think we have enough meat at home than the expense of bringing all the meat and the risk of having it go bad. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, it's worth it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Especially when you travel internationally and you have a piece of meat. It's not like when you travel with an airplane inside the States, Mm -hmm. probably you go to customer like, what the fuck is that? You know, it's meat (laughs) and do you have a certificate you have, you know, like it's not, it's not the same.
0: Well, when I so when I went to Texas even, uh I I had one of those freezer bags that I, I had frozen hog meat in it and uh and and we I was going through security and it flagged it. And they were like, What do you have in here? There's rib cages, there's bones, like what <laughs> <laughs> and I was like it's who just hog kill? meat. Yeah, they were like, are you sure it's not a small child in there? I'm like, no, it's, it's hog meat. <laughs> but yeah, that was, so can... oh man, that was fun. So I can only imagine going internationally, them you
1: know, being like, who are, what is this? <laughs> no, I come from Tajikistan. What is that? I'm just, I don't know. It's just a strange goat. <laughs> Oh man, (laughs) that would be hilarious! My my father back in the day, like I don't know, like a bunch of years ago, he got stopped in customs with a polar bear, and the guy just freaked out, and he had all the papers. Now, yeah, like now it's easier to, now it's harder, but before, Mm -hmm. as long as you had all the paperwork, you could do the import in when you got through the airport. But now it's getting harder and harder to travel with the trophies polar so bear to so he leave went leave them to leave them you know like for 15 days or whatever and and then get 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 them shipped and it's just the trophy thing is just getting way way too expensive
0: yeah but a polar bear so it's he went trophy. polar
1: bear hunting yeah but that was like a long time ago yeah
0: right but that's that's amazing like you you see the, those he animals has some are some pretty intense. cool
1: he has some pretty cool footage Actually, he filmed the Inuit guy's son shooting his first ever uh, polar bear, which uh, made him become a real grown-up man or something like that, like in the culture. Yeah, yeah. And you could see, like, the dogs fighting the bear and the Inuit guy pushing his son, He's like, don't be you know don't be a pussy just like keep moving forward and this guy the little son that was like 14 i don't know or 12 uh-huh. or whatever with a lever yeah. action rifle he's like i don't want to get close and and he and he saw it which was super cool to watch because my my dad loved to document hunts in the past so he has old footage from many many years
0: yeah man that's that's crazy uh Yeah. Polar bears, man. So that was your dad, the one that spray painted that one polar bear. Have you seen that? There's a, there's a polar bear up there that someone spray painted. Like they went up and they spray painted like three letters in its side. I'm like, why would, why would you get close enough to spray paint a polar bear? First of all, like why would you do that? that. But no, there's some footage. So it's like six, one, four or something like that. But yeah, they had like, it's like black spray paint on its side and it's like walking around up there, and obviously that that polar bear probably won't last very long because he stands out now. Um, he won't be able to hunt as well. But uh, but yeah, that's that's crazy because polar bears are one of the few predators that are known to actually hunt humans. Um, there's not many else out there that that are known to actively hunt human beings, and uh, and polar bears are one of them. So that's that's pretty crazy that he had that experience. Um, you know with with bears, did you ship yours back? Do you have a big bear rug that I'm sure your wife appreciates in the house?
1: Not yet. I, I still have <laughs> it in the states. I need to figure out how to ship it.
0: <laughs> have you had that discussion yet?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I want it for my son, for his room. Oh, okay.
0: Oh, okay. He's That's gonna, a good way I mean, to
1: I think Yeah, he's going to be stoked. I mean, I I I I bet that he doesn't have any friends with a bear hide. In his room, no. so I yes. <laughs> Did, you I cool. Did you do the mouth open? Did you do the mouth open? I don't there? even know what what I, what I'm doing. Like I told Brian okay. to just like do the rack but I don't even know how because it has cities, so we have to apply for the permit and ship mm-hmm. it over, and I don't know. Just yeah, Spain is it's been really bad against hunting in terms of introducing animals, and they have increased a lot of the taxes, so they are applying the VAT not to the value of the skull of an animal or to the trophy, but to the value of the hunt. Mm. So it's just getting ridiculous to import animals. Mm. So they, their analysis is that we travel all over the globe to just bring a trophy and that we should pay the VAT of the value of the animal alive. Like it's mm. not alive, it doesn't have meat, it's not moving. Yeah. Uh, some of the hunts include the guiding, the service, the trip. So I think it's just stupid. But for them, they are making a lot of money. But it's making harder and harder to import trophies. Yeah. No, for sure. To the extent that, well, that... it's like, I, am I willing to spend that much money on bringing a trophy, or should I go hunt more? Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. And that's uh, that's a good that's a good reason to get the bear rug in the house. I might have to use that. Cause I was thinking like after I, after I go bear hunting this spring, how would I be able to have that in the house? And you just gave me a great idea. So I will tell—I'll tell my wife that it was Pedro's idea to put it in my son's room. Like,
1: <laughs> I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble after this podcast. Okay? You're putting all on me. The Spanish guy—he knows really well. It's he like, told like, me to come to Spain.
0: Guy. He said, "Go to Spain, hunt red stag. It's great. You know, you're gonna have a great time, babe." He said to bring the bear in the house. Like he said all these. <laughs> You know, it's funny though that you trusted uh, Brian to uh, to take care of your bear after what you did to his uh, his his sleeping pad. <laughs> so, for those, those of you fun. guys that haven't seen that video, you should definitely go watch the bear hunt uh, between Ryan uh, and Brian Call and Pedro, because there was a lot of uh, tomfoolery, we'll say, that uh, that happened in camp. <laughs> And there was a couple of really good pranks that uh, I'm surprised Pedro gets invited back to, to come hunt with Brian after. But, um, man, that was – so how how many days were you going after those bears? I, I can't remember the, the amount Ten of days. Days you were up there. Ten days? Ten hunting days. Then you, so it was you, a, a great experience. Yeah. yeah, and you kind of – if I remember correctly, you kind of hesitated, didn't you? Like you didn't want to shoot first or there was something that no, you so- were –
1: so, the way it works, I don't know, like, I'm I'm not used to hunting with so many people with guns. Yeah. It was like, if you spot the bear, you are first mm. on shooting. So, the thing is that I spotted the first uh, big bear or whatever that we could shoot. And since it was the first day, I was like, I'm not mm. shooting it. I, That's I, don't, right. I don't really care if That's I come right. empty handed or not. But like to finish the hunt without being able to appreciate what I'm shooting. I didn't come here for that, so mm-hmm. so, so I, I let Brian shoot it. He shot it, and I we end up shooting mine on day nine. So it was a we 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 had to split in two teams because it was Brady Miller also from Go Hunt, super cool guy. He went with Ryan Lampers at the middle of the hunt. He's like, we need to split in mm-hmm. two because we weren't seeing the amount of birds that, that they mm-hmm. promised me. They were like, no, it's gonna be warm. There's going to be bears everywhere and we had snow. We were freezing our asses, <laughs> but it was a super cool hunt. And we, I, I learned a lot to be honest. So
0: yeah, no, for sure. That's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. And they definitely, they definitely don't go on the easy hunts. They don't go on the, you know, come back to the truck every night, kind of hunt. Like they, they definitely get after it. So that that's really awesome. Um, no, and they love what
1: they're doing. Like if you see yeah. Brian, like, uh, documenting hunts like self-filming sucks because you are all the time right. instead of hunting you are trying to think about i cannot miss this so i love when you have a cameraman that he's taking care of the story and you can just enjoy the hunt but to be able to self-film put the time go up there and all that like to have that energy i think he's doing uh, honestly, a honestly a great job and it's because he really likes it so he's not trying to to show a different character on the videos than what he really is. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah no, that's awesome. What would you say um, would be your favorite hunt out of all the ones that you've done in the many years that you've been hunting? What would be your, your, your top hunt experience? Because what I'm recognizing a theme with you is that you are all about the experience. And if people haven't understood that by now, uh, you can go back and listen to this podcast again and see all of, and then go and check out Pedro's stuff because you, you just, again, talking about the bear hunt, you didn't want to shoot a big bear on day one. Uh, You wanted to have the experience and you're okay coming back empty handed because you wanted the full experience. Um, And you seem to, that seems to be a trend in, in your adventures. So what would you say would have topped the list for you? In um, all the hunts that you've done, what what's been one of your favorites?
1: So that the thing about trying to experience and spending more time is something that lately, like when you go on places, like I don't want to hunt the first few days and kill an animal the first few days. And actually, in some areas, it's when you have higher chances because the animal are there. You haven't spooked them. You are in top shape because as you get more and more days in the field, you start wearing down, things can go wrong, you can hurt yourself, your bow can go bad or the weather can come in. So on tough hunts, you shouldn't be missing out on opportunities. But at the same time, I have something inside me like I came all all the way to here just to just, you know, like to hunt for two days. So I don't really want I don't really want to kill an animal, but I really want to hunt. But at the end, I always end up on the later part of the hunt. Like I'm running out of time, getting stressed. (laughs) So there needs to be like a little bit of a balance and that has, I don't know, like I have been on a bunch of hunts, especially with the bow that I haven't been successful. And like in Kyrgyzstan, it's 20 hunting days, 20 hunting days. It's a lot of hunting days. So it's not like traveling and all that. So it wears you off. You are tired. Like uh, you get sick. I don't know. And some of the trips, some of the animals I have gone in the best is I had to go three times to Turkey. So the third time I was like, just, I don't know. Like, and I think you like think about the animal, like higher than it is. And it's like, it's really hard. And you just, you have the mental game. You need to learn how to play that mental game of like, it's just a goat. So a lot of time when you draw back on on an animal that you have put a lot of time, or it's really big, or it's just like a really interesting trophy from Asia that no one has hunted or whatever, it's like you, you shouldn't be thinking about the animal like up here, What it is? You should draw by like it's just a goat, you know, like... <laughs> and truly, and because you know, that mental thing it really makes you do stupid stuff. And if I, if I will have to choose hunts, more than place, it will be mountain, a bow, and backpacking. And I think the animal and the place is not that important.
0: Hmm. I love it. I love it. That's and awesome. there is
1: actually also some hunts in Africa that people underestimate, Africa, and there is some really tough hunts in Africa and very different, like the rainforest or hunting Lord Derby and on tracks, like tracking those animals for days, like on 40 degrees Celsius or like super warm weather. There are some really super cool hunts in Africa that people underestimate because probably all the videos that you get and all the content that most people see are people driving around on a car and that I really enjoy. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to pick. That, that's like
0: awesome. everything. <laughs> that's, I was going to say, I, I was waiting for a, a, an interesting response. I knew you
1: wouldn't be able to nail it down to one. So I. I, I, no, like but I that. think that's... mountain, bow, and backpack. So Norway Territories, the old ship hunt that I did, one of the best trips. Mongolia, the Ibex hunt in Mongolia that I did with the bow, super cool. It took me also a lot of days. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I could keep listing hunts, <laughs> all the hunts that involve that, or horses and ca- and tents, mm, yes, mm-hmm.
0: oh, oh, yeah. that's super cool. You know, just unplug and get out there and, and enjoy it. I, I love that, man. That's that's uh, that, that's that really awesome. And I, yeah, that, and I, I that really appreciate it. That photo is from
1: Mongolia, for example. Oh, okay. The photo in the background. Yeah. And you see that terrain and you glass and you don't see any single animal and you're like, what the... F- Hell, I'm doing here <laughs> with my bow. <laughs> that's
0: a beautiful picture. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Pedro. It's been it's been a pleasure being able to chat with you and 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 hear your experiences and things that that uh you know you've been all over the world and you've had so many great experiences that people can only dream of having one of. And uh, you're just a wealth of knowledge, wealth of experience. And I highly recommend everyone go and check your stuff out. Um, you, you really do. You keep it humble. You don't, you're don't. you not braggadocious by any means. And I love that about, about your content. I love that about how you involve your family. Um, that's a big thing as well. You're super grateful for the people that have supported you, brought you up to where you are, and you're giving back as much as you can as well. So thank you again so much for your time. Um, where can people find you now that I've said to go find you?
1: Yeah, so Pedro Ampuero. But if you put like on YouTube, Pedro hunting or something, I don't think there are many Pedros out there. So it will be the easiest because the spelling my last name is gonna be hard. And now There's on Instagram, I'm Shadow Band. And now I'm Shadow Band on Instagram. So you need to oh. really put my whole name with all the letters, and it's mm-hmm. it's a pain. But hunting, it's it what it is on social media.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Sweet. Well, I'll leave those links down below, guys. Uh, thanks again so much, Pedro, for your time. I really appreciate it. Guys, go follow him. Check his stuff out. Great guy. Um, and and I really enjoy all the adventures. I, I kind of live through you in some of these adventures because I don't know if I'm going to be able to go on some of these. But uh, man, you, you keep it up. And uh, again, thanks so much for your time. Guys, as I always say, get out, live your life, and love it. Alright guys, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation Man, it was awesome to just sit down and chat with Pedro um, I'm probably going to end up in Spain now So that I can go hunt red stags with him uh, But in in all reality guys, Pedro is just an amazing individual He really uh, has earned my respect And he's he's humble, but he's a jokester Loves his family And remembers his roots and where he came from He's definitely not hot-headed and just enjoys adventure, even even much more than the, the kill. I love the fact that he enjoys the adventure of the hunt itself. All the places that he can go and that he loves, the mountains, he loves having a bow in his hand. Just, again, great individual overall. Go give him a follow, guys. I'll leave the links down below where you can find him on YouTube. Watch his awesome different series that he has. My favorite is Stag Culture. But there's a lot of other ones as well that you can definitely go check out, and uh, and then of course is social media. So thanks again for tuning in, guys. Uh, now here, if you've made it this far, I really really appreciate it. Here's what we got going on over at Redbeard's Fit Crew. Over at Redbeard's Fit Crew, we've got March Madness. What is March Madness? Well, I'm kind of playing on words there because I, I grew up watching college basketball. I'm a big Tar Heels fan. I don't really have a lot of time to watch college sports anymore or sports in general, but I do love this time of year for how amped people get for their college teams. So we're going to do a little play on words there in March Madness over in Redbeard's Fit Crew. If you have Facebook and you're not on Redbeard's Fit Crew and First Form Outdoors Facebook groups, go get in over there, guys. It's an amazing, both of them are amazing groups of individuals that just want to better their lives each and every day through fitness, getting outdoors, and just having a great community to back you up. So at Redbeard's Fit Crew, we're going to be doing a little bit of a challenge where you ruck every single day. And it's not a ruck like throw 45 pounds on your back if you can't do that. It's five pounds, something more than just your body weight, and get outside for a 45-minute walk. There's already been a couple uh, days that we're not able to do that for some people. They've got snow drifts up to seven feet, not able to get outside and go for their walk. So it's walking up and down the stairs, around the house, in the garage, whatever, on a treadmill, 45 minutes with weight on your back. You could use a weight vest. Someone asked if they could have a baby carrier with a baby in it, definitely great. Uh, Backpack works, a backpack with books, anything that you can do to add weight and walk for 45 minutes. Again, it can be anything from two, five pounds, all the way up to 45, 60, 100 pounds if you really want to. Just get a little bit out of your comfort zone, get some movement in, get your body moving. At the end of, and there's other things as well, guys, um, you know, in the group, you can go and check out that post. I've pinned it to the top, and I'd love to have you in there. You've got the entire month to get entries into the giveaway. At the very end, uh, what we're giving away is a First Form Outdoors backpack, we're giving away some fletchings, so uh, AAE hybrid. I want to say they're twenty sixes uh, with the first form logo on them. We're giving away a package of Clean Freak wipes, so you get the sample package with all the different with multiple wipes from each individual or from each um, scent that they have. That's an amazing company as well. Tim is just outstanding guy to work with. He loves the outdoors and loves. I love what he's doing over there. Uh, clean freak and on top of that i'm throwing in my garmin instinct gen one it's it's been used right but it's still in great shape works great Uh, i just have upgraded to the instinct 2 solar and so i'm throwing all of that in and there's going to be even more added throughout the month guys and one person is going to win that great package uh, at the end of the month again there's multiple ways to get entered go check it out over on the facebook group I'd love to have you over there. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I uh, hope to see you over at Redbeard's Fit Crew and First Warm Outdoors Facebook group. Let them know Redbeard sent you. Outside of that, guys, have an amazing weekend. Thanks so much for coming along for the ride up to this 200th episode. Can't wait to see what's in store going forward for you guys. And of course, get out, live your life, and love it.